Starting with a sound check. Do I have good connection with people in the back row? Good, or it could go up. <laughs> good. So, uh, there are so many things that you can do to un understand your mind in these forms of meditation. And hopefully it's not overwhelming. And if it's ever overwhelming, just keep it simple. That's what I've learned. Um, there are many curiosities, but if the mind is not in a stable, curious place, you can feel sometimes like there's, you don't even know what to do anymore because there's so many options. That type of mind usually benefits from doing something simple, like your basic practice, coming back to whatever anchors you. And then in that direct flow of a simple mind that's with its primary object, then it might occur to you in that moment, <clears throat> actually want to open up to the rest of my body, or I do want to look more at this process of being aware at sense doors, or how my mind moves between these sense doors. So as we add instructions, um, it's always helpful for the basis to be something that we've developed. And then from there, there are possibilities. But you can always just say with your simple practice, if that is conducive to the stability of your attention and further guiding yourself to be simple, happy, and content with something like hearing or feeling your body or feeling your breath. And to bring together two instructions that we gave the last two mornings, one about looking at the pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral quality of each moment. And that's called Vedana, a Pali word. So looking at the Vedana component of your experience, we have so much reactivity that happens consciously or unconsciously around Vedana. So it's a good thing to bring into the light of awareness, at least just knowing it. And then you can start to see how often it's at the core of why our minds are not settled, why our minds are constantly looking for something better or going to sleep on something neutral. That's usually the, the unconscious pattern that we come into retreat with. Then combining that with yesterday's instructions to look at the mind making uh, choices or little movements uh, all through the day, and that's the impulse, the intention. So before your arm can move and you can scratch your nose, either consciously or unconsciously, there will be an intention to do that. And so often we find our bodies moving and say, I, there was no intention, it just moved. Our muscles don't move without some command, so we want to actually bring those commands into the light as well. You can actually put these two together and see how often the intention is coming out of the Vedana of the moment. So something unpleasant happens, like an itch on your nose, and before you know it, you're trying to get rid of it. Or the intention to be with the breath is steady, but then it becomes fairly neutral and familiar. So then the intention to stay with the breath weakens, and then some passing circus of thought 
is more is more uh, interesting because it's unpleasant or pleasant. So that's often why we leave the breath is that it starts to feel neutral, and that we tend to weaken our connection with neutral objects if we're unconscious. You might see that uh, there is something pleasant. There's a pleasant thought that's hard to let go of, not because it has a big hook, but just in the pleasure of it, it feels better than a meditation that feels a little boring or you're not in a very inspired mood. Uh, So then you're very susceptible to pleasant thoughts and it's hard to let go of them. So then you're bringing these two together as an investigation primarily staying with your simple grounding meditation. But then you can every now and then check in on what's the Vedana of the moment. Is it neutral, slightly pleasant, very unpleasant? So then you're spot checking on Vedana. And then if you see that there is movement in your mind, there are little choices that intention you might see is that first know the intention and then see was that intention driven by this pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral? Is that why I'm seeking these thoughts? Is that why a certain stream of thoughts uh, keep coming because they're so pleasant or they're so unpleasant and that charge is hard to drop to return to something neutral? You can also watch conscious relationships to Vedana where a little bit of discomfort but having the mind be peaceful and present, sometimes that wakes up the mind. Just a little bit of discomfort makes you pay attention and not be adrift. And then when you go look at that, you say, okay, now that I've looked at it, it's actually not that unpleasant. So then the Vedana quality changes but there was a call to attention from being adrift. Or when the breath itself seems to be very pleasant to be with, how that supports your uh, deepening into uh, being absorbed into just breathing or just body sensations or just hearing. So that might seem like a lot, but as was said So well, last night, what else are you going to (laughs) do? Sorry to disrupt your plans of of the day. Uh, (laughs) You're in it. You're going through this territory. And it's another thing that can be fascinating to watch. If it stresses you or feels burdensome, that's a good sign it's not the time to take on an investigation. Unless you want to... Uh, investigate why that seems stressful. Um, So with that uh, as a setup, find yourself in a posture that allows your body to be at ease if you haven't already. Sometimes during the beginning of the day, it's helpful to make sure that you've let go of all moments that have come before. So today won't be a repeat of anything that has happened before. 
Everything that happens today is freshly arising. It's like getting a compass heading for the day. And my job is to float intimately through the experiences of the day, blending relaxation and attentiveness so that I, one, can benefit from the calm, and two, I'll actually learn more about how this mind moves, bring unconscious activity to the foreground, and learn about this mind-body system we're all in. And head towards your grounding, primary, simple practice, whatever that has been for you. We'll take a few moments and see if we can establish ourselves with something simple, like hearing body sensations or what it feels like as we breathe. And just as you're settling in, you might notice this morning is particularly sleepy. So upon seeing that, accept it, and then maybe sit up a little bit and see if you can bring support for more wakefulness. You might notice whether the body is comfortable if it's in a place of obvious well-being, or if old or new friends of discomfort or pain are somewhere in the picture. Looking at the base of the body, making sure you have an open, conscious relationship to this uh, animal body that we live in.
in every part of your body, <clears throat> every small region will have a Vedna quality. It will either be pleasant or unpleasant. And if it's not obviously pleasant or unpleasant, that's the category that we call neutral. It doesn't stand out one way or the other. You can say, I feel heat, and it feels neutral. I feel coolness, feels unpleasant. I feel tightness in my neck, that's unpleasant. I feel tingling in my face, it's pleasant. then through that experiment of looking at the pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral, just for a moment you might notice these experiences are neutral. And for that, it's actually hard to stay with them. I space out very easily. I was with some body sensations. There didn't seem to be a lot of commitment Next thing I knew, I was spacing out. Or by a time I turned my attention towards something unpleasant, I was already worried or frustrated. I was already impatient. Or did we start telling a story about the pleasure? Finally, it's here. Wouldn't that be great if this was the new normal? Maybe it will grow and sweep over my body. So a heightened interest, and then a plan, a hope, or a dream around that pleasure Or you might notice there's no reactivity. No lack of commitment to neutral objects. No reactivity to unpleasant. No 
no yearning for what's pleasant. The mind stayed attentive, curious, the flow of what was pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral for even a little bit. And you can stay with that kind of investigation if your mind is relaxed and present. But if doing that investigation starts to agitate you or it feels complex, your mind very easily wandered, it's good to regroup back on your simple practice back with your anchoring practice. And you might pick up that investigation later on.
as we become sensitive to the mind and the content of the mind, we can see Vedna and intentions playing out as mental actions and mental experiences. You might have a quiet mind, but there's a pleasant feeling in that quiet mind. Or a quiet mind that feels neutral. It's even possible to have a quiet mind that's unpleasant. There's something unpleasant, but it doesn't yet create a lot of content. So you're looking at, how's my heart space, my mind space? What is the Vedna of the passing mind objects of thought? You might investigate a thought before you go back to your anchor and see this was a future thought and it was just neutral. This was a future thought and it was very unpleasant. This was a future thought and it was pleasant. Knowing the Vedna quality And at some point, returning back to your primary object, your anchor. If you've been mindful of your moods or subtle emotional states, then also ask, is my mood, does it have a pleasant tone, a neutral tone, an unpleasant tone? Does any of that Vedna tone shape my relationship to the experience? Does it distort the direct experience by adding reactivity or a spacing out on what's neutral? Or does the neutrality begin to feel peaceful 
peaceful because there isn't a pull towards or away. And you can watch intentions play out in your mind as you wake up, intend to investigate or not, intend to return to your anchor or not. Stabilize your intention. Stay with your primary object. Or watch your intention arise to investigate. These are all mental actions. And they also have intention behind them intention within them. Because they can be subtle areas to be mindful of. You don't want to use force. You don't want to force the investigation. So you ask these questions and see if they're part of the obvious components of the experience. And if they're not obvious, it doesn't help to try to dig for them. Chances are the intentions are mild. The Vedna is mild. So you just agitate yourself if you Work hard in your mind to try to see them. But if they're interesting and your mind is relaxed, at times it can be very uh, illuminating to see how Vedna is playing out 
if it's affecting our relationship to the experience, and if it's influencing our intentions. And then at some point, it's very helpful to simplify again and see if you can be content and present just with your simple version of your practice, just breathing or feeling or hearing. The tone of kindness and patience.
in three of our postures, the sitting, standing, and lying down, they're, they're so still that it doesn't feel like there's a lot of intention happening. We feel like we've actually relaxed intentions just into the stillness. We might think intentions only happen when we're moving to scratch our noses or shift our posture a little. But actually it has become an intention to sit still. That's an intention that you've developed uh, since you got here. You didn't have that intention as strong when you first got here because you were coming from daily life. So there has become a great capacity to sit more still or lie down. And from that, it just takes a very little quiet intention to keep sitting still and to not uh, shift if you don't need to. So that's still intentional, um, that you're sitting and standing, but it doesn't feel like a strong command. Once you move out of those three uh, still formal postures, all of a sudden it's like uh, a movie popcorn maker uh, where there's so many intentions about how you stand up. Um, do you, how do you stand up? Do you put your weight forward first, then go up? Do you try to balance yourself first? There's all these little intentions and many of them have nothing to do with suffering, but learning about intention has a lot to do with suffering because we have so many unconscious realms and we will unconsciously engage in activity and not even know that we've done it. So exposing how intention arises in your mind and how it leads to action, or it, there's an impulse for the action, but you're mindful enough to catch it and evaluate it and say, actually, I don't want to put that intention in motion. So some part of me is trying to intend to press send on a really scathing email. And another part of me is saying, intending, no, don't do that. Don't do that again. Don't do that. And so I can have these battling of the two intentional fields. What's interesting is one of them will win out. I used to practice this when I was doing walking meditation. And it's like, I always intend to go right. When does that happen? I'd be walking towards the wall and about two steps before there'd be this pre-plan. Make sure you go right. Don't hit the wall. Make sure you go right. And so I would intend to turn left. I was like, that's so awkward. Wow. So it wasn't that that had a lot to do with my suffering, but I was watching how many habits I had and I was exposing my habitual mind to myself. And then I could tell which intentions were compulsive, they were actually driven by something unconsciously greedy or hateful. Uh, I might look good on the outside, but be harbored by fear or resentment on the inside. So I was like, yeah, I'm not fooling me. Uh, I can see my intentions. I can see what my mind is trying to do. And so they can hold back on intentions that are coming from confusion and you now know better. So you want to expose the intentions in your mind, especially if they're coming from reactivity or they end up being connected to a pattern of suffering. Often the habits, the intentions that um, do are connected with suffering 
do have an, a non-acceptance or some type of pull towards pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. So that's another good area to expose to yourself, that you're not just having old, blind, unexamined reactivity towards unpleasant or some type of over-investigate, overdraw to what's pleasant or the common space out on what's neutral. So all through the day, these inquiries are possible. You can't do it all day long, um, but you can, when it's interesting, look at it. Tends to be a lot of what's happening when we're eating. We have a lot of compulsions, a lot of habits, and we check out a lot around eating. So you might find that that's a whole field where you're really watching Vedna and intention uh, drive you unconsciously through your relationship to food. Are there any questions about what you experienced? Not so much on the, the meta theory, but uh, what you noticed in exploring Vedna or intention or how they were linked. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.